Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Holly Lawyer, Executive Director of Albemarle Teen Challenge here in Elizabeth City. I'm excited for you to meet Holly. Before we get into the discussion with Holly, I do want to let you know about a few upcoming guests I will feature soon on the podcast. First up is Craig Stevens from Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church here in our community. I always enjoy speaking with Craig, and he's coming up soon. Also, Andy Montero, owner and chef at Montero's Restaurant. Andy has created an excellent restaurant, and we can all learn a lot from him about opening up a business and how do you hire staff, and on and on it goes. Excited about bringing Andy to you. I have a few other guests I'm scheduling, and I can't be more excited to bring them to you as well. If you haven't, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share and recommend this podcast to your friends. Thanks so much, and let's get to the interview with Holly. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's an honor to have you here today. I'm so glad you took some time to come and we can sit down and talk. And a lot of the people who are newer to the podcast um, will not know who you are. And I'm excited that they'll get a chance to meet you and learn about what you are doing. Now, for those of you who do not know Holly, Holly is the executive director of Albemarle Teen Challenge. Let's jump right in and kind of open up everybody's mind about what Teen Challenge is. So describe to us Teen Challenge, what it is and what it sets out to accomplish. Well, Albemarle Teen Challenge is a women's facility. It's a it's a Christian uh, recovery center, mm-hmm. and our program lasts anywhere between twelve to fifteen months. And now you we, say recovery. What is yes. recovery for? What um, we work with women who are overcoming life controlling problems such as drug and alcohol addiction. Okay, and what are the ages? Eighteen over the age of eighteen. Over the eighteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so they come to you when they are at the end of of their own attempts to fix things in their life as far as substance abuse goes or correct the how does one, that work we usually receive phone calls uh from our clients mm-hmm. um concerned family members pastors attorneys um we do work with people through the court systems okay and you have approximately how many in your facility now current we have nine students nine and you can have up to how many 12 12 mm-hmm. okay and they're there for how long Anywhere between 12 to 15 months. We do right. have some people that bridge the gap and go over the 15-month mark okay. due to the fact that they need deeper healing. Got it. Okay. We'll get into some more of that in mm-hmm. just a moment. So that's what that's what Teen Challenge is about. Yes. And now tell me, what does the executive director do? That's your position there. So what do you do? Well, first and foremost, you know, obviously there's accountability in my position. So mm-hmm. I do report to a board of directors. Okay. Um, and I do speak on behalf of the organization um, as far as like media releases and things like that. So I'm the major representative organization but I'm basically have the responsibility of running the daily operations of the Mm -hmm. facility Um, you know I teach there as well um, do pastoral counseling Mm -hmm. um, and I do a lot of fundraising okay so now how long have you been with Teen Challenge of Abermall? Teen, Abermall, Teen, Abermall Teen Challenge was established as uh, as far as like the 501c3 mm-hmm. uh, nonprofit organization in 2007. Okay now the Abermall Teen Challenge is part of Teen Challenge around the nation, correct? So it's a large organization. We have a national organization, but we also have our own 501c3 right. here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So give us a little bit, if you can, some knowledge about what Teen Challenge is overall. Is it the same thing in different cities? Is it different states? How does that work? That's a large place. I know it was started back in what, the early 60s? Is that right? Historically, um, we're actually celebrating 60 years this wow. year. Okay. And uh, Teen Challenge, when it first started out, uh, Pastor David Wilkerson mm-hmm. was the original founder. And he originally went to New York City to minister to some gang members that were on trial for murdering a young man named mm-hmm. Michael Farmer. Yeah. He was 15 years old and he just became a victim of gang violence. And when he went there, um, he discovered that um, not only was there gang activity, but there was a culture that went with that and had to do with drugs and alcohol, specifically right. heroin back then. Right. Yeah. Now, that story is written in his book, The Cross and the Switchblade, correct? Yes. I remember reading that when I was in college. And I'm telling you, that book had a tremendous impact in my life. So if you're listening and you have never picked up the book, The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson, I highly recommend you pick the book up and read it. And that gives some of the backstory of Teen Challenge getting started. Yes, correct? it does. Yeah. And that's fascinating because you guys, so I, the reason I want to make sure people understand it is it's not something that just started in Elizabeth City and it's just one uh, you know, company here or one organization here. It's tied into 
something that's been going on for 60 years and a very high recovery rate. I'm not sure how to describe this on recovery rate, I guess, but what is it, success? It's 86%. 86%. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yes. So what I'm hearing is those who enter into the program, the Teen Challenge program, and remain, stay for the for the duration of the time, which yes. is the 12 to 15 months, and practice what it is that Teen Challenge teaches, goes through the program, yes. there is an 86% success rate for those who, who graduate. Yes. Right? 86%, is that what it means? 86% of those who graduate yes. remain free from yes. the substance? Wow. In completing the program, yes. That's fascinating. And I wonder what is, you have any idea what the, the national average is for other places, not by name, but it's got to be lower than that. In comparison to people that don't put Christ yeah. as their higher power, as far as Christ-centered recovery, mm-hmm. um, anywhere between 2 to 3%. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I mean, that's a huge difference. Yes. Okay. So I've got I've to ask a few questions about that, then I'll get back into kind of the history of this local one. What do you see as the big difference in going from 2 to 3% to 86%. I mean, you mentioned about Christ being at the center, but there's other things too. I know there's prayer involved, there's accountability involved, there's different things. So what do you see a couple of the things that you think make Teen Challenge so successful compared to other ones? Well, scientifically speaking, there has exactly been um, several studies done on the damage of the brain when it comes Mm. to drugs and alcohol addiction. And scientifically, it backs up the need for a year-long facility. Okay. Um, So while they're in our facility and they're um, healing physically from overdoing and doing, you know, getting involved Mm -hmm. in addiction, um, you know, they're learning um, new ways of coping mechanisms. Um, We infuse biblical principles. Um, There's a Teen Challenge curriculum that we utilize that's been um, synonymous with Teen Challenge for years. Um, You know, obviously it's been renewed and revised, but um, we do follow a very set curriculum. Um, You know, they get up every morning, they do devotions, and then they are required to do journaling in the evening. And and basically we show them a new lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're not dealing with just the substance. You're dealing with uh, some of the reasons why maybe they even be turned to the substance to begin with. Yes. Some brokenness on the inside. Yes. And the length of time is what you're connecting to the success rate. So I guess some other, what people would refer to as rehab facilities or something like that, how long do they typically go? Um, it just depends. You know, the majority of the students that go through our program, um, if they're using a particular drug that looks like they're going to probably be doing withdrawing, like mm-hmm. specifically alcohol, pain, right. pain medication abuse, or heroin, anything like that, um, we ask them to go to detox first. Okay, and detox, before they come to Teen Challenge? Yes, because okay. we're not considered a medical facility. Right, right. Um, you know, Teen Challenge follows an educational model, mm-hmm. and most um, secular recovery programs follow the therapeutic model. Okay. So your Teen Challenge is going gonna, is gonna to concentrate on many things, but one of the areas is going to be renewing of the mind. Yes. The way they're thinking, the patterns of thought, and why they go to the substance to begin with. Yes. Okay. So it begins to help kind of retrain their thinking patterns. Yes. Which would probably lend to why it's so successful. Yes. Great. That's awesome. Well, thank you for that. I just was mm-hmm. curious. I, that's such a, a phenomenal success rate. Mm-hmm. I think the average person needs to know why is that? I mean, because, the, and, and again, this is not 86% success rate over the last year. This is mm-hmm. a 60-year-long program that is in every state, I imagine? There's a Teen Challenge in every state? There's pretty much one in every state. There's over 225 centers in the United States currently, and there's over 1,080 different countries. Wow. Okay. So this is around the world. It is. There's two um, organizations with Teen Challenge. There's Global Teen Challenge, which Mm -hmm. is international, and then there's Teen Challenge USA. Okay. Doing the same thing around the world. Yes. The same thing. Okay. That's awesome. Well, let's let's come back to the, the local Teen Challenge here in Elizabeth City. Give us a little backstory uh, to opening Teen Challenger here in Elizabeth City. Um, For instance, why did you choose Elizabeth City? Uh, Was that an easy process to get one started here? Kind of a little bit of the history of getting this one started, because you said you opened in 2007, is that right? Yes, that's correct. So you're 11 years here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell us a little bit about how you got it opened here. And, And for those of you who are listening who you know, are thinking about owning a business or starting an organization or a nonprofit, I'm sure there's a lot they can learn from you guys. Because I'm sure if you could do it over, there's probably a few things you would do differently or that you've learned over the last 11 years. So just give us a little bit of the backstory and how that got launched here. 
Well, originally back in 2002, I was offered a position. Um, my background's in um, healthcare administration, okay. and I actually was a licensed nursing home administrator. Okay. And so it was a job opportunity that brought me here to Elizabeth City in 2002. And I actually began my relationship with Christ uh, when I came here to Elizabeth City. Okay. And um, at that time, I was advocating for the quality of care for the elderly hmm. um, as an administrator. And God began to work on my heart. And I had people that I encountered in my position that were nurses that were diverting medication. And because of that, um, I started seeing some things and God started revealing some things to me about addictions. Mm. Um, And then I found myself actually going to court over a lot of things because people that were deemed financial power of attorney um, were not paying the bills. And it was because they were suffering from addiction. And so God began to break my heart for people in addiction um, and working with troubled families at the nursing facility and doing what I do. And um, I began to pursue a career um, change um, because I felt that tug on my Mm -hmm. heart that God was calling me to do something. I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you're called to do something, there's, you know, a wave of thing that God begins to do around you and you just kind of pick up the surfboard and jump on it. So it's not it's not just one you know, you just don't have an emotion one day right. and think, oh, this is something now that I believe God is calling me to go do. Right. You, that may happen, but more than likely there's going to be a variety of different things that come together that kind of push you or pull you or draw you to a particular area. Right. So how long did that process last inside of you before you jumped into doing what you do today? Was that a year-long process or a few months or what? It was three years. Three years. It was three years where God began to reveal some things to me and through some relationships in the community. Um, I also entered seminary at Regent University in 2005. Okay. Um, It was there I met my academic advisor who happened to be Dr. Fultz. And Mm -hmm. Dr. Fultz was a long-term Teen Challenge founder. Um, Mm -hmm. He had been with Teen Challenge, the organization, for over 40 years. And him and his wife actually started um, two Teen Challenges, one in Eurasia and one in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. So during that process of God breaking my heart for people in addiction and changing my advocacy, um, I was able to connect with him on a level, and he set me up to do some mission agency practicums with Teen Challenge. Excellent. So there's a great example. So not only do you have the the pull on the inside, but you entered into seminary, and what do you know? You meet somebody who happens to be directing uh, an, an organization that reaches people who are on sub, in, in substance abuse or experiencing that. So that's how God lines things up. So you you have uh, you meet someone who now gives you an opportunity. Hey, have you considered this? You know, maybe a teen challenge. Okay, so take us from there. So you meet him, and he exposes you to teen challenge, and then what? Um, so when I realized that this is something that I was being called into. I pursued relationships with people from the national office at Teen Challenge and inquired about how to establish a women's facility where I live Mm -hmm. and um, just continued to follow the breadcrumbs, which led me to um, being invited to go to a conference down in Dublin, Georgia for Teen Challenge for their Southeast region. And I was asked to share for about 10 minutes about you know, being in healthcare administration and, and God putting the call on my life to start a women's facility in Elizabeth City. And um, it was there I met my husband. You met him in f- at, the conference at the conference in Dublin, okay. Georgia. Now, where is he from? Where's um, home to him? Um, he is actually uh, born and bred from Cherry Point. His father was okay. a Marine. Okay. So he's from North Carolina. Yes. So he's there. Yes. You're there. You meet each other. And he's got this passion also. Yes. He yeah. was currently work At that time, he was working for Teen Challenge of Vero Beach. Got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now, had there what, was there a facility here at all for substance abuse? No. The okay. only facility that actually existed, they were actually getting ready to open. This was back in 2006. Um, which was the first fac- women's facility I toured, but she was actually getting ready to open it. Uh, Bonnie Cherry is the executive director down in Greensboro. Okay. Is a facility called Hannah's Haven. Um, and so that's the only other women's teen challenge facility in the state of North Carolina other than us. So you're, you're, there's only two yes. in the state of North Carolina? In the state of North Carolina. Two teen challenges or yes. only those focused on women? Teen challenge. Okay, so there's only two in North Carolina. Yes. Wow. Okay, so you then... Um, why did you decide here? Like, why did it, how did it all come together? Is it because they didn't have something here or doors opened in Elizabeth City or how did it turn to this town? 
Well, I had a lot of support in okay. the area. Um, I started doing support groups here locally, and a lot of it was codependency groups, and okay. some was Christian 12 Steps. Um, so as I began to start doing that, it generated people's interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and one of the things with Teen Challenge and establishing a Teen Challenge um, facility, they like for you to already be doing something okay. that is like on a referral basis or um, non-residential for at least two years. Okay. That way you kind of establish a support system and get rooted. Right. Okay. So you decide to open up a facility here. Mm-hmm. There wasn't one. Uh, not just the Teen Challenge, but not really anything that was established here doing a successful job in reaching a lot of people struggling with substance abuse. Did you land on opening up one for women or yes. was it okay? So that's what your heart was in yes. to begin with. Okay. So how do you find a place? I mean, how do you, do you just empty buildings, a house? Like, how did you decide on where you were going to open this facility? Well, we had a local couple that did um, give us the opportunity to utilize their property um, back in 2010. Um, We did go to the city and we asked the city for a special use permit to occupy that property. Um, And, you know, we did meet some resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when you have somebody that's establishing a women's recovery program in an area, especially in a city area, yeah. um, you know, there's always cause for concerns. And, um, you know, we tried to address those issues as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and as um, detailed as possible. And, um, you know, we did continue to meet some resistance. But then again, after um, they realized um, basically what we were all about. Yeah. And so then we're welcome shortly after that. So what do you think? What do you think the average person, you know, in a community hears about Teen Challenge is going to open and they hear recovery? What do you think they're afraid of or concerned about? Why the resistance? I think there is because of the existence of homeless shelters. um, I think that there's uh, fear of, okay, we're going to have these people walking back and forth Mm -hmm. down the street, you know, things of that nature. And with our facility, our program is supervised 24 seven. So there's always a staff member on duty and the ladies are not allowed to be by themselves. Um, In fact, you know, we require them to have accountability at all times. So it was just a change. It's for the community. It's just, oh, we've never had this before, so we don't know what's going on. So was there any time during that resistance? I don't know how difficult the resistance was, but was there any time you kind of second-guessed yourself or maybe we shouldn't open it up here or let's look for another place? Or did you go through any of that? I think any time that you're doing something for God, um, you meet some type of opposition and resistance. Um, And, you know, as a leader, you know, I think we all go through moments where did, is that what God said? And sometimes we even have people that are in our own congregations or Mm -hmm. communities that are like, are you sure you're hearing from God? And so I did battle with a lot of those things. And um, how did you keep the fire burning, that passion? How did you keep that going when you got resistance and even people maybe who even started to question you? How'd you keep your focus? Well, I think there's a point where you come with your relationship with God where whatever he says is what he says. Um, And there's also circumstances that present opposite sometimes. Um, I think for me, it was those times where I spent in deep prayer with God and saying, but you said, but you said. And, you know, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And a lot of it has to do with mindsets. Mm -hmm. And God wanted to do something with that and bring about change and you know, I was just so excited when the city came and we came into agreement um, to utilize the property and move forward with God's plan. And um, we have a very good relationship with them today. Great. How long was that process from, you know, hey, we want to we're considering opening a facility to the city saying, OK, you can now open it. How long was that? Um, that took about over a year and a half. OK. And yeah. it was just going back and forth yeah. with meetings and things like so that. So that had to be somewhat stressful during that year and a half. It was very stressful. Wondering if you would ever get the permit to Absolutely. Open it, right. Okay. And then when they finally gave you the permit, how long was it before you had your first young ladies join you and begin the process? It was about six months. Okay. So that's where the whole three year, you, you were, you were burdened for around a three year period, this yes. sense of, I need to open something. Yes. Then you started, it yes. took about another year and a half to get permission. Yes. And then six months after that, before you actually had a, had someone there. Right. Wow. So we're looking at a total of five years from the time you first began to think, I need to move in this direction to your first person walking in the door is a five year process. Yes. Wow. Well, there's a lot of lessons there because mm-hmm. many people would quit in that process, mm-hmm. you know, 
and resign and say, this is too hard, too difficult. Well, maybe God didn't call me to do this, but you stayed on mission. You kept your perseverance and you look back on that. Now I can imagine that you think I'm so glad I did. Yes. Yeah. How many ladies have come through the facility now over the last 11 years? I want to say we've had about 75, 75. Mm -hmm. So that's 75 young ladies. Mm -hmm. Um, 18, 19 years old, up to what age? I don't know what the... Normally, our median age is um, basically coming to about 45, 50 years old. Okay, so mm-hmm. you have a pretty wide we spectrum of ages there. Okay, so 75 different individual young women you've been able to impact yes. over these last 11 years. That's got to have a just a sense of fulfillment there and a sense of thankfulness and gratefulness that you followed through with it and God's been faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, it does. That's awesome. Well, if you could go back and open it again, um, some things maybe you would do differently uh, or or not. Maybe you think that you, you it was excellent, the whole process. I'm just wondering, just for leaders, for people who are doing things, what are a few things, if you could sit down with someone you know, who are 20 years younger than you and they're looking at doing something like this in their community, what are just a couple, maybe two things that you learned that you would say, okay, if you're going to do this or even something similar to this, here's what I recommend or here's something I wish I would have known then. I think as a leader, when you look back, if you have the knowledge that you have now, you Mm -hmm. know, and you had that, the knowledge that you currently have on going through the process, you could go back and change some things, but it's really about the process changing you. Mm. Um, You know, I think there would be some incidental things, you know, in regards to um, meeting with more people, educating the public on, look, we're not a homeless shelter. We are a very strict program. Um, And try and deal with maybe some paradigm shifts that Mm. need to occur there in people's thinking. Um, so that's one of the things that I would hone in on is educating the public better about our facilities so there wouldn't be no unanswered questions for the folks that don't particularly understand what we're doing. Yeah. Holly, that's one thing I've learned here um, through Leading Force Park is often I have a lot of the answers in my head. I know how things are going to, to work out, or at least I think I do. And I make an assumption that the person sitting in the seat knows at least half of that or they can fill in the gaps and I have you know messed up sometimes and lack of uh, to, to communicate clearly so I think what you're saying is how um, if I knew then what I know now if I had to answer that question that would definitely be one of the things I would do better and that's communicate more clearly to the average person because I'm immersed in what I do. You were immersed in what you were doing at that time. So you had a lot of your questions answered. You met people. You went to a conference, all those different things. But the uh, person lives across the street from where the facility may be open. They don't know the answers to those those questions. So communicating things more clearly. That's one thing I try to get across to younger leaders as well. So that's good. Well, if you could look at yourself uh, 20 years ago, would you imagine doing what you're doing now? Absolutely not. Okay. You weren't even a follower of Christ 20, was it 25 years ago, probably something like no, that? No, I was not. What did you think you would do? Can you, I, can, what were you planning on doing? Well, we all have plans, don't yeah, we? we do. <laughs> They're just, are they yeah, in God's will? Right. Um, you know, I saw myself becoming an administrator of a hospital. Okay. So that was your goal. Yeah. Yeah. And then God just got a hold of you and said, no, that's not where you're headed. You're headed in this direction over here. Uh, I'd like to put it this way. There have been many people that said it's like, you know, you and God were in a football game and he divinely intercepted you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you thought you were going in one direction and he, he caught the ball and took it in a whole different way. He sure yeah, did. Yeah. yeah, you could not have planned where you are today, but aren't you glad that you followed his will as opposed to yours? I certainly am. Yeah. His way is always the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me, tell me, I know that every day, I'm sure looking back on what you do, you have a lot of success stories and a lot of wonderful things that that happen. And I would imagine that there are days where you sit back and you think, I could not imagine doing anything else. This is so fulfilling. But I also imagine that there are days where there are some challenges and some really tough things. So without getting into too much detail, without revealing anybody or, or, or any particular um, situation that may give away you know, something private, what are a, what's a challenge or a couple challenges that you, you currently have operating the facility? Is it raising money? Is it educating the, the young girls? What are, what are a few of the challenges that you face on a daily basis? I think from 
you know, the servicing of our clients' perspective, um, when our clients come into the program, you know, they leave families behind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the significant things, especially in contributing to someone's recovery, is that the family get healing. Uh, We see a lot of people that come in that suffer from codependent relationships. Okay, Um, explain that uh, to, to, to all of us listening. What do you mean? Um, I, relationship with the with the young lady to her parents right. or what? Um, it could be parents. It could be family members. It could be husbands and, you know, things of that nature. Um, you know, a lot of times when people are living with someone who's living a self-destructive lifestyle mm-hmm. in regards to addiction, um, there may be someone on the other end that tends to fall into a codependency, meaning that they're an enabler. Okay. And so we always want to provide services for the family so while their loved one is is getting help in our program um, that they're receiving the needs and um, um, the the counseling that they need in order to heal and so that way if say for instance we do restore um, you know someone who's married you know we want the husband to be healed and we don't want him to be an enabler anymore um, because there's a certain amount of toxicity that will keep both people bound okay that's that's an area that I I don't know that most of us think about, you know, the person who is, you know, addicted to a particular drug or any substance and they come to a facility, you would imagine, okay, from a naive perspective that the family's happy. They're glad. This person's now in a facility. They're going to be taken care of. They now have some relief back home because this person is not there, you know, and they're not having to battle with them. But what I'm hearing you say is sometimes they go through their own grieving process because this person is no longer in their home or there is some dependency on this person and they enable them and now they have to receive some sense of of care and counseling possibly or whatever that's fascinating yeah i didn't realize that there are people there married yes okay so they leave their husband or their uh, well in your case they would leave their their husbands but other facilities they would leave there's uh male teen challenge so they would leave their wives wow okay uh, kids too involved. Yes. How does um, that work? Majority of the time, a lot of our clients that come, uh, the women have lost their children to child protective services okay. due to their drug use, um, and happy to say that we've had child protective services um, have a very positive relationship with us, and we have seen women restored, mm-hmm. um, and child protective services cases closed. Um, due to the women coming to our facility. Um, Also, we do have uh, men that are working full-time where they've brought their wife um, to the facility and they're taking full care of their children while she's getting healing. Uh, We've also seen mostly grandparents Mm -hmm. that are taking on the role of the parent while um, their daughter's getting help. Yeah, so the the grandparent has to take on the burden of the children because mom's in the facility yes. uh, for 12 to 15 months. Yes. How often do you go through with these young women who come as moms that they're going through a very deep grieving that they've left their children behind? I just imagine that would complicate everything, right? It, it does. Yeah. Do you have on-site counselors or do you take these women to, to counseling for a therapy or or? therapist or how does that work with a mom who's left her children and going through this whole grieving process? How does that work? We provide pastoral counseling. We do not have um, anyone that's a licensed clinical person that is on staff with us, but we provide pastoral counseling and um, work with them in that relationship. Do you have uh, some women who, who come who are just resistant to just being there? We do. Okay. How does that what do you, what, what's kind of the process? They come in, they're angry that, that someone else wants them there. Or, I mean, I imagine they have to agree to come, but some of them have got to be pretty upset that they're stuck, you know, in this facility or how does that, what does that look like? Well, we do consider ourselves a volunteer, a volunteer, a mm-hmm. voluntary program. Yeah. And because of that, we do ask that when they do come and are admitted to our facility, that they're there on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have people that families do interventions um, okay. before they come and say, look, you know, if you don't get help, then, you know, we're cutting you off or they're practicing some type of tough love. Yeah. Um, so we do have some people that come and say, you know, I'm here, but I'm here because my family wants me to be here. Um, and we do have people that do leave. 
And then we I was going to ask you that. Mm-hmm. Do they just can they just check themselves out? I don't want to be here anymore. They're gone. Or there's a process okay. to it. Um, you know, we work with them and get them to a safe place. And mm-hmm. um, but you know, they do have the ability to say, "Look, I don't want to be here." Um, and the families, you know, a lot of times the families will come back and say, well, look, you know, we really want you to stay. You need the healing. And we've had success with that as well. Um, and that's where that codependency mm-hmm. thing comes in is, you know, if you have a family that's strong enough to, to practice that tough love, um, then that person's going to have a fighting chance um, to get into a place of um, emotional health and, um, you know, spiritual health and physical health yeah. and um, Have many of these women been through other facilities before they come to Teen Challenge? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would imagine that a few of them have a, well, I've done this before. I don't know that this is going to work. You know, they just kind of have a very low faith, you know, that this one is going to is gonna click. So I'm, I'm sure you have to work through that with some of them. You know, I've done this before. I've been free before, you know, went through a three-month process or, you know, I was I was sober for a while. How is this going to be any different? I'm sure you got to kind of talk that through with them. We have several uh, clients that go through all the time that um, have done six to eight recovery programs before really? they've come to us. And when the families bring them, they're very disheartened. They're like, oh, yeah. you know, the I wonder families if, are disheartened. Right? I wonder if she's going to leave this one. Mm-hmm. And so we sit down and we have a firm conversation with everybody involved. And we say, you know, this is a voluntary program. Uh, when you come in here, we're going to teach you some new coping mechanisms. All we're asking is for you to have an open mind and an open heart. Yeah. Now, the families pay for this. Is that how that works? I know because you also have supporters, too. So tell me a little bit about how that balances out, because these families have got to they put them in the facility and then they also got to help pay for their their time there. We have um, what we call sponsorships. Okay. Um, you know, it costs anywhere between I would probably say about twenty two hundred a month to house each individual student, and that requires all the services that are provided in house. Um, but um, we only ask for fifteen hundred dollars for sponsorship. Um, with that sponsorship, um, if for some reason somebody is unable to meet that financial need themselves, um, we do have local businesses and we do have local churches and we do have local people that offer scholarships through our facility. Okay. And have you, have you been received well here in the community? We have. City? Okay, great. We have. Now you have a fundraiser coming up. We a do. Banquet. What, tell us a little bit about the banquet. Um, well, we're actually... A is cel- that for raising money? It is. Okay. It okay. is. Um, I would say as far as our budget goes, 50% of our um, budget is raised through sponsorships. And okay. then 50% of that is through events and fundraising. Okay. So out of the total budget, half the budget is through sponsorship yes. and half of that. So 25% of the whole budget comes through banquets, the uh, um, events that you have in the community, et cetera. Yes. And you have one of those coming up soon. Yes. Okay. Tell us do. about that. Uh, we have two nights of banquets. It's okay. coming up at the end of April and one is, um, it's going to be at the Currituck Cooperative Extension Center on Friday the 27th and then Saturday the 28th. Okay. And what will that look like? Is it a dinner? Is it? It's a what, dinner okay. and um, we have some speakers. Uh, the majority of the people that we have speak are students and graduates of our program. Okay. Uh, we want people to see the fruit of what God's doing through our recovery program. And then also we usually have families or parents or someone that is on the other side of addiction speaking. So if a person comes to the banquet, they're going to get a great meal. Yes. They're going to meet many of the other people who support Teen Challenge. Yes. And they're going to get a chance to see face-to-face some of the girls who've been through the program. Yes. Uh, Here's some successes of those who've graduated and are doing well today. Yes. Hear from some of the families who are now have their kids back. Yes. And and also, I believe they get a chance to meet some of the girls who are presently in in the system too, right? Yes. We do have, um, for about 40, but probably about 40 minutes of, um, our banquet, we usually have the students, you know, share testimonies and, um, there's also songs and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I've had a chance to go to a few of those and they're, they're wonderful. They're very, very enlightening, um, entertaining, uh, and very emotionally moving because you know, one of the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is regarding how, how people see others who struggle with substance abuse. Sometimes they just get kind of, you know, pegged over here or they get labeled a certain way. But when you go to something like, you know, the banquet and you meet these girls and you see their face and you hear their voice and you listen to their story, I cannot imagine anybody attending the banquet who is not emotionally 
um, impacted, spiritually moved, and challenged because there are so many. Uh, these girls are a very small fraction of the amount of people in our nation who are struggling with substance abuse. So if we had more facilities like this, more people like you who are reaching those girls, then even a greater impact could be made. And then you basically just call us to action, right? Right. The opportunity to support, opportunity to give, and make this make this happen. That's great. I hope uh, if you're listening and you've never been to the banquet, I'd highly recommend you to go uh, be a part of it. How do they find out more about it? Is there a website to go to or just email you or how, how would that work? They, they want tickets and all those different things. They can go to our website. Okay. Um, we do have um, advertisements on our website, which is www.albermileteenchallenge.org. Okay. Um, and then they can also go to our Facebook page um, okay. and look in our event section, which is just simply like us on Facebook, Albermile Teen Challenge. Yeah. Okay. So all the information about tickets and the banquet and all that's there. Yes. Okay. Well, let me let me spring uh, board from that. What what would you like to see change as far as people's views of those who have substance abuse? I think that. You know, being a pastor, I, I get an opportunity to sit down with a lot of people who either their son struggles or their, their husband battles addiction or or what. And, and many of them you would not know. You know, I mean, they, they, they present themselves very well when they sit in church. They present themselves well in our community, but yet they struggle. But I know interacting and talking with people, there's a, a label or there's a stigma or there's an image people have of those who struggle with substance abuse. What is what what is what you, what do you want to let people know about those who battle with drug addiction? Because you you are up face to face with them. You see, these are moms. These are girls. You know, they they have dreams. They have goals. And sometimes people distance themselves from those who struggle like that and just kind of label them. So what what's something you'd love to get across to the person who's listening about those who battle? Well, when my husband and I first started out um, speaking um, at churches and and talking about our facility and opening the facility, um, one of the messages that God gave us was um, from Acts chapter 10 and the story about Peter and Cornelius. And, um, you know, when Peter was, you know, up on his rooftop and God gave him a vision of um, three times of uh, a blanket coming down from heaven Mm -hmm. and it actually had hooved animals with it. And Peter said, you know, I can't, you know, God said, you know, kill and eat. And he said, I can't do that. Those things are unclean. Mm -hmm. And there was a paradigm shift that needed to occur. And here we have Peter who would not receive that uh, salvation was not just simply for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles. And I think uh, one of the important things for us is to understand that there needs to be a paradigm shift when we look at people in addiction, Um, because God doesn't, God makes those people clean too. And not just physically, but also spiritually, you know, that they have a right to, you know, to have an opportunity for that salvation, that saving grace. And so when I share about Teen Challenge, um, I always mention that passage of scripture because God made it so plain to me. And so when I share, you know, don't call unclean what God has made clean. And we celebrate the lives of these women, especially ones that have had a true heart change. Yeah, that's beautiful, Holly. The, um, when you when you interact with these women, and I, I imagine you interact with them every day, you hear their dreams, you hear their goals, and I'm sure you hear their regrets and what they wish they could do over. Um, I can imagine your heart is moved often as you interact with them. Very correct? much so. Yeah, and that I would imagine that fires you up and keeps you moving because yes. one of the one of the questions I have is how do you do it? You know, I mean, you've got obviously family. Um, you've got to raise money, you've got to raise support, you've got to interact with these girls, you've got to, you know, be present for them. Um, how do you keep your passion high? How do you keep your mission uh, f- in focus? How do you keep it moving 11 years in, in, in working and serving and loving um, people who walk into your facility with their hands out. I mean, they're not walking in giving you much. They're walking in going, look, I need all the help I can get here. So how do you keep yourself on fire, if you will, and on focus? Tell us a little bit your secret or what you do. Well, I think about what the Word of God says about don't grow weary in well-doing. Yeah. And I have to remind myself about that every day. Um, you know, I think as um, a minister and um, you know, being the director of this facility, it's imperative that I practice self-care. 
Um, I've had so many people that are mentors in my life that um, look after me and make sure that I'm taking the necessary time off, that I'm refueling, that I'm recharging. And sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. You know, we fight for, as pastors, we fight for, you know, that one day off or that two day off every week. And um, it's important. So we have to keep you know, the Sabbath sacred. Um, I need to stay refueled. Um, and of course, you know, continue to build my relationship with God and an intimate relationship and continue to have God as my friend. Yeah. Now your husband is involved with you. He, what is his position there? Um, he is the co-founder of okay. our ministry. Is he there each day or does he work with you side by side or how does that work? Um, he is actually, um, you know, assisting me with the, okay. the facility, but he's not there full time. Okay. Um, he actually works a full time position um, at a men's shelter. Okay. So I was the reason I was asking is mm-hmm. I would imagine that's even more challenging if you're both doing the exact same thing every day. It can be. So there is a little <laughs> bit of division there so he can do some things and you're and you're not always doing the same thing all day. Yes. Yeah. In the beginning he was there um, every day so I mm-hmm. definitely re- it resonates what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking know. about, you know. know how that is. You all yeah. have one way of doing things and they have another way of doing yeah, things, and that's but tough. my yeah. husband is uh, is wonderfully gifted and um, if I had not met him, he's actually a graduate of teen challenge. Really? Um, I did so, not know that. Uh-huh. And he actually, uh, you know, he has that teen challenge DNA. You know, one of the, the things that, that God did with me is, you know, I didn't have a drug problem. Um, but God has certainly surrounded me with people that have gone through a program and um, I've raised up leaders. God has raised up leaders in the ministry to help me um, to see eye to eye when it comes to that other side of addiction. Yeah. So, Well, let me ask you on that. Do you tell me a little bit of the staff what 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 staffing do you have there at Teen Challenge? You're the executive director. I assume you have an assistant or you have someone. How, how many people are, are there kind of working side by side with you and assisting you on a weekly basis? How does, what does that look like? I actually have three full-time staff members under okay. me, and then I have one intern currently. Okay. So these um, those who are on your team, you've got to keep them educated, fired up themselves, You know, keep them on mission. Do you guys meet? Weekly, daily, do you have a staff meeting? What does that look like, and how do you keep them trained and, and doing what they need to do? We have a weekly staff meeting on Fridays Okay, every week. And that's kind of an opportunity for you all to sit down and go, okay, here's here's what's going on this week. Here's some things we need to tighten up on or change or improve on. Here's some news that you need to know about, et cetera. Yeah. And how often does your staff turn over a lot, or do you keep the same staff for a while? We actually have a good turnover rate. Um, the majority of the staff members um, are Teen Challenge graduates that mm-hmm. have gone through the program. Um, and I'm blessed to have some seasoned staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that comes with our staffing positions is we also provide staff housing. Okay. Great. So that's been very helpful because most women that come through the program, we do require before you become or considered for a staff position um, that we ask that you go through an internship. And internships last um, up to six months. Okay. And you provide that? The internship? We do. Okay. So they they come in as an intern, which you mm-hmm. have one now. Yes. And then they can move up to a full-time staff position. If we if have an opening, to, and correct. an opening and it all works together, right? Absolutely. What, what do some of the girls who go through the program even become on staff and they leave do right. they what what do you see do they go out into full-time jobs somewhere else what's some of the uh, stories that you've you've seen happen with some of the girls well we've had several the majority of the students that go through our program um, if they're around college age we've seen uh, those go on to college and successfully Great. complete and graduate yeah. college uh, we see some enter college mm-hmm. we see some um, have gone through and have done x-ray technicians, gone into healthcare. Mm-hmm. We've seen some enter nursing school. Um, we've also seen some established Celebrate Recovery yeah. programs um, and go on. In fact, I have a graduate right now that's helping me um, establish the expansion of another facility. Wonderful. Yeah. How often do you keep up with these girls once they graduate? Like what kind of relationship are you able to have with them once they leave? We do. And the majority of the graduations and the banquets are open to alumni. Great. So they get a chance to come back and you get to see them a few years later and just kind of keep up with them. Yes, it's a lot of fun. That's, I, I bet it is. Yeah, very rewarding, I would imagine. Well, a few more questions for you, Holly. One has to do with uh, some people listening now and um, you know, they, they may have a son or a daughter or a husband, wife, who is battling substance abuse. Um, what, if you, could, if you could sit down with that mom, you know, you could sit down with that dad, you could sit down with, even with that, um, 
you know, teenager who's who's really going through some very difficult times right now, maybe with a brother or a sister who's addicted. What what would you say? How would you encourage them? What would you ask them to do or give them some direction? I would tell them never to give up hope. Okay. Because that's easy to do, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. And so therefore don't quit. Keep nope. your keep your focus. And uh obviously you would recommend them to call Yes. Yeah. Call Call Teen Challenge. Is there is there a, a, a national website? I assume they go to that place, and then you could look for one in your local city, or yes. How would um, they find? There's it a if, national website called um, TeenChallengeUSA.com. Okay. TeenChallengeUSA.com. Okay. They can simply um, put in their zip code or their city, and it would take how, them. How to easy a map. is it to get into a program? I don't know how full they are. Is there a waiting list or? It depends on an individual basis. Um, you know, you can get into a teen challenge pretty quickly. It just depends unless they are required to go to detox. It's going to take okay. some time. So if they go to detox and then they come out, there's going to be an opening somewhere, but they might have to, to move to that location. And that could be a while away. Do they, is that kind of the way it works though? They get you away from home? Majority of the people, um, a lot of people, if they're on probation, they mm-hmm. have to remain within the confines of the state of North Carolina. Um, but if they don't have any legal issues, um, you know, especially if they have drug dealers mm-hmm. or they have people mm-hmm. um, that have kept them in their addiction, right, friends, right. so to speak, um, it's better to get outside of that environment. Yeah. Get them away from all the mm-hmm. temptations and things like that in their own town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine these girls build some some wonderful relationships with each other. They do. Yeah. Staying together for all those months. And then they get out. And hopefully they keep up with each other. They do. That's great. Well, Holly, you're doing a fantastic job and uh, excited about what, what's happening within Teen Challenge and the nearly 100 girls who've come through there over the last 11 years that you've been able to impact. And it's excellent. I've I got a new facility that you're looking at opening. We which, do. Yeah. Which can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Let people know. You don't have to give all the details, but it's a it's another facility you're opening, and this yes. will be doing some training and Tell us a little, just an overview of that. Well, we had an opportunity. Um, one of our graduates was uh, is from Bladen County mm-hmm. in near Elizabethtown, North Carolina, and a property came up for sale, and we went down and prayed over the property and felt God leading us to purchase that property. And so we're currently raising the down payment for that, and we're looking to occupy it at the end of May. Excellent. And so we'll be able to facilitate um, helping more women. The house itself is... Uh, six bedrooms and five bathrooms wow. it actually has 15 closets which wow. is means it's so fit, fitting for women yeah, that's great <laughs> uh but we're it's actually sitting on 30 acres wow. and um with the county commissioners being in agreement and giving us a special unit a special use permit to move forward with it we're excited about what god's going to do and it's established on 30 acres so basically we'll be able to to build other facilities within that property guideline yeah. so and if this if this is also focused on women, this will be the third Teen Challenge in, in, in yes, North Carolina. Yes, it'll be That's the great. third. That's great. All right. Well, here are just a few personal questions for you to help the people listening get the chance to, to know you a little bit better. Uh, when you do have some time to, to get away, to take a break, uh, do you have any hobbies, anything that you kind of do want work on the side, whether it's reading or biking or sports or movies? Or do you have anything at all that you kind of engage yourself in as a hobby? Uh, I enjoy reading, obviously. Okay. I've yeah. been kind of a long-term student anyways. Yeah. But um, one of the things I really enjoy doing and um, is riding on the back of my husband's motorcycle oh, with him. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. So that's what he enjoys, and you yes. enjoy going with him. Absolutely. Great. you get an opportunity to do that much? I did it just yesterday. Oh, yeah, <laughs> good. So would you guys get a chance to be off? You get on the bike if you can. We do. Yeah, that's a fun thing. We do. Great. Local, or do you go a long distance we are not people to be on busy roadways Uh, we like to drive you know on the country roads Mm -hmm. and and enjoy going to the farmers market yeah okay so that might lead into the answer to the next question that's what is your perfect day off if you could just take off and have an excellent day wonderful day what would that day look like for you well I talk to my husband about this all the time but you know my personality is such where you know it's like when I'm around people um, I you know people do drain your energy Mm -hmm. Um, and I know for me you know having one day off where I do completely nothing and I rest and and relax do you get a chance to do that every week no one full day okay so that's it's a challenge that's my challenge discipline right yes that's something that I need to get better at yeah so if you can have the day off it's unplugging from everything, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Beach, mountains, home, backyard, 
kind of anywhere you can go just to be secluded or a nice a quiet spot yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> whether it's the mountains i do enjoy Asheville. oh like yeah going, traveling that's a beautiful Asheville. place mm-hmm. yeah good well what is something that um, people may be surprised to know about you i would think that um you know it's one thing when you're a leader but it's another thing when you're around other pastors and you're mm-hmm. around other people that mm-hmm. are in ministry and leadership and i like to cut up a lot yeah okay yeah <laughs> i enjoy well, you, some laughter yeah you're in a very serious business very you deal much with so. very serious issues i'm sure you have to be careful you know yes. in your interaction with the with the young ladies because they're in a very difficult place and i'm sure they struggle with anxiety and depression and emotional issues that go along with substance abuse. So you're in a very um, difficult, challenging environment often. Mm -hmm. So if you can unplug and come out of that and just laugh and cut up and relax. And yeah, so someone who might see you from a distance might think, well, she's got to be pretty serious. You know, she's in a serious environment all the time. But the truth is you enjoy just laughing. I do. I enjoy my friends. I enjoy laughter. That's great. Do you get a chance to do that much? Um, you know, that's, like I said, it's again, every week, you know, it may not happen every week, but you know, God's good at putting me in a position where I can have that moment of just a chuckle here and there. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Extremely grateful for that. Well, Holly, thank you for being a part of the uh, podcast. It's an honor to have you here. And I'm always amazed at how God opens doors for people. And I think we would have a lot more stories like yours if people would say yes to when doors open rather than no. And, uh, you know, too many people, unfortunately, allow fear to lead them rather than faith. And I'm sure you did your own battling with fear. And you nobody ever walks through a door without having some doubt and some concerns and some worry. But you were able to work your way through that. And you were able to say yes. And, and God is doing an, an incredible thing through you now in the lives of these women. And I know that the nearly 100 who've, who've already gone through and who knows how many others, especially when you open up a new facility uh, down south um, you'll be able to look back on your life and be able to have hundreds of women whose lives are forever changed because you said yes and God has used you so that's got to be a deeply fulfilling and satisfying uh, knowledge you have so I pray incredible blessings on you thank you yeah and I pray that you're able to double and triple in the amount of impact you have in people's lives so thank you for being here today and uh if people want to contact you again, real quick, just give them ways to get up with you. You said Albemarle Teen Challenge. It's a www.albemarleteenchallenge.weebly.com. Dot what? Weebly.com. Weebly.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then also an email. Do you prefer email, Facebook? How do you want people to interact with you? Um, you know, you can like us on Facebook. Okay. There's also an admissions email. Okay. Um, it's um, admissions at albemarleteenchallenge.org. Okay. Um, and then um, you can also reach us at our office number, which is 252-338-8263. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for You're being welcome. here. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting scottneal.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottneal online. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.